week we're talking about, uh, the message is entitled Building on the Rock, and we're going to be looking at the parable of Jesus where he speaks about the wise and the foolish builders. And, and you know, I want to share two, two illustrations that really work us into the parable here today. Um, in England, there is an ancient cathedral called Winchester Cathedral. If you see a picture of this thing, I mean, it's just, it's ginormous. You know, my, my first look at it was, was that Buckingham Palace? And no, that's not. It was Winchester Cathedral. It was dedicated in 1093 A.D. So it goes back just a little bit, some 930 years. And it's Europe's oldest Gothic church. Uh, and it stands as just a, a magnificent, ma uh, massive architectural creation. Uh, it's situated in the city of Winchester in the county of Hampshire in the United Kingdom in the UK. And this, uh, it's, it's a sight to behold. So in 1905, some serious signs of structural weakness started to appear in the cathedral. Ominous cracks began to develop. And some architectural experts, they suggested uh, buttresses to prop up the walls or rods to hold them together. But finally, an expert maintained that the foundation should be probed. See, this parable today we're going to look at talks all about foundations. That the, that the foundation should be probed and so deep shafts were dug to the foundation, and there they discovered that this great cathedral had been constructed on a bog. Wow. The original builders had laid tree trunks flat on the soft, watery soil, and on that had reared this magnificent building. The miracle was that the building had stood as long as it did, and then it didn't, you know, that it didn't collapse. In 1906, W.G. Walker, in a deep-sea diving suit, began working in water that was thick and brown, digging down through eight feet of peat, you know, moss, yuck, you know, all that yuck, and he uh, picked the peat out in sections and replaced it with concrete. And it took him five and a half years to restore the cathedral's rotting foundations. See, see this parable that we're going to look at today, uh, the foundation that we build on is not something that we establish once and then forget about. How many know that the foundation we build on has to be the, count, the, the foundation that we continue to stand on? Amen. The Bible tells us in these last days, people will, you know, it uses different words, but it says people will leave their foundation. Let me talk about another structure. Uh, in, in 1173 AD, architect Pisano uh, began a project in Italy that outlived him. In fact, it took 200 years to complete. It was completed in AD 1350. And uh, eventually standing 180 feet high or eight stories tall, this bell tower, or as we have come to know it, the Tower of Pisa. No, wait, that's not how we've come to know it. We've come to know it as the leaning Tower of Pisa, uh, you, you know, what was done and constructed for the world to see. Um, the inclination, you know, the, the leaning of this became so much of a concern that it was closed to the public in 1990. It, it leans 18 feet over. I don't know that I would want to be near any building leaning anything over. You know, I just had a conversation recently where somebody was talking about, you know, in California, the buildings are built to sway because of the earthquakes. And I thought to myself, that's just one more reason to never be high up in a building in California. I don't want to sway 
18, 20, 50 stories in the air, right? But this became such a concern that it was closed to the public in 1990. In May 2008, engineers announced, listen to this, that the tower had been stabilized such that it stopped moving for the first time in history. So back in the 1100s, we're talking about the, the construction of this thing, and here it is in the, you, you know, we're, we're, you know, modern, modern 1990 here, uh, the, the foundation had stopped moving, right? So when we look at this parable here today of the wise and foolish builder, oh man, it, it doesn't get more important or, or more sober of, of a topic for us to really make sure that we take good inventory. The good news is in 1990 when they said, hey, the foundation has stopped moving, they said, hey, and it's good for 200 more years. So that's somebody else to make sure that they follow up on that care in, a, in another generation. But this, this Winchester Cathedral and the Bell Tower of Pisa, they were on uh, poor foundations. Whether it's a home, a cathedral, um, a tower, a life, the type of foundation one has is absolutely important. Amen. If we want something to last, uh, whether it's our home, a building, something that we're building, uh, we have to give real good thought to what it is that we're putting underneath it. So the right foundation, that's the focus of this parable. Now, let's go ahead and take a look at it. Uh, now, it's also in Luke chapter uh, 7, but we're going to see it here in, in Matthew. Uh, I'm sorry, it's in Luke chapter 6, but here in Matthew chapter 7, uh, we're going to look at it starting with verse 24. So it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." So, a little bit of background here on this parable in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, let's just get a little bit of the, the context. Jesus had just finished preaching his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and that's Matthew chapters 5 to 7. And, and he had been talking to the people about how to get into the kingdom of God. And so, you know, in Matthew chapter 7, he's saying things like, uh, well, we sang about this today. He talked about entering the narrow gate. He said, wide is the gate that leads to, to destruction, but narrow is the gate, the way into heaven, right? And Jesus said, he's the way, right? It's through him. Uh, he also said to watch out for people who would uh, try to deceive and try to con that didn't have your best interest at heart, but that would try to use and manipulate you. He said, watch out for false prophets that they would come in sheep's clothing but they inwardly are ferocious wolves. And he goes on to say, but don't worry, you'll be able to discern and know who they are because you'll know them by their fruit. And then he went on to say, and there will be those that are genuine, authentic disciples, and there'll be those that are false. And he said, and the false ones will come and say, Lord, Lord, as, the, you know, uh, as they wanted to enter the kingdom. And he would say, depart from me, I never knew you. 
You are not about me, you are about your own thing. And so it's in all of this context that now Jesus, so this is, this is sobering stuff that he's sharing, right? And in this context, he shares this parable about the one builder building on the rock and the one on the sand. So, so let's, let's just list out, let's unpack some of what Jesus shared here and uh, make sure we can get some of the meaning. So again, if you're following in your notes, you can uh, you fill this in here. Number one, both men are building a house. Both men are building a house. Now, how many know that neither of them said, I think I'll try to build a house that falls apart, right? That was not the goal for either of them. They were, they were building a house. They, 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 I'm sure, wanted to build a, a beautiful house that would last, that they could enjoy. But we see two people, they're building. All right, Jesus, we got it. Number two, the house here in the parable represents our lives, we could say it represents the human heart, the very being uh, of humanity. And Proverbs 4.23 tells us, right, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And so we need to recognize we're responsible for our heart. We're called on to guard our heart. We decide how we're going to live, how we're going to build, whether or not we're going to live God's way or do it our own way. The Almighty, the All-Powerful, the Infinite One gives you and I the prerogative to choose how we want to live our lives. He'll never force us. Amen? Okay, number three, both men hear the Word of God. Both men, notice where it says, you know, the builder who hears the word, the builder who hears the word. I don't know about you, but for me, the first bunch of times that I heard this parable, I read past, they both heard the word of God. I don't know, when I was looking for what Jesus was trying to say here, it didn't, it didn't occur to me that the starting point was two builders building their lives and they both heard the word of God. You know, the emphasis we're going to see in this parable is on believing, I'm sorry, is on obedience, but that doesn't mean that hearing is unimportant, right? We, we have to hear first. Can you say amen? amen. Right? Romans 10, 14 says, how then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So, man, the, the word's got to be preached first. We don't want to diminish that. Second uh, Timothy 4.2, Timothy uh, is a spiritual son, uh, and, and Paul is a spiritual father and a mentor to him. And Paul writes, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. That's, that's pastor's job description 101 from Paul to Timothy. Preach the word. Preach the word preach the word, preach the word, in season, out of season, right? So, you know, we need to hear the word first as we're building our lives. And of course, Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. All right, what else is Jesus uh, laying out for us here? Number four, the storm came to both houses. The storm came to both houses. I have found myself more times than, than I ever would want to admit when the storm comes saying to God, Lord, why is this going on? Right, it says, says, you know, the word of God, think it not strange 
concerning the fiery trial that has come upon you. And yet in my humanity, I go, well, this is strange. I love God. Come on, how many of, Lord, I've been really good. Why is this storm? Come on, anybody beside me, wave at me. It's just in our, in our humanity, we find ourselves saying, but Lord, why? So here's the thing Jesus is saying. So two lives being built, they both heard the word of God. The storms are going to come, right? Think it not strange. So they should be expected. And storms can also be pretty overwhelming. You know, I was thinking back to Hurricane Sandy, you know, talking about an overwhelming storm. You know, and there are people who lost their, their entire, you, you know, all that they possessed, right? All they owned. Others had damage on their property. But even for folks who didn't personally experience any damage, it was overwhelming for our region for quite some time, wasn't it? I can think back if, if you weren't at Grace and Peace at the time, uh, we, we had the privilege of being a, a collection center uh, for, you know, donations and things like that. So people were bringing clothes. And I can remember, uh, you, you know, over by our, our uh, clothing room, the clothing being piled as high as the building. You know, and, and all kinds of supplies for people to get. And, and Samaritan's Purse came and made their headquarters here to try to help people put their lives back together, rebuild their lives. You know, storms can be overwhelming. But what Jesus is saying here is, you know, there's a way to live that no matter how big and massive, whatever once in a century, once in a two century storm, whatever it is, storm that comes our way, there is a way to live where we keep standing because of him. Amen? So, so the storm's going to come. We should expect that they'll be there. I'm not saying, you know, getting up in the morning and expecting catastrophe. I'm saying what he told us, think it not strange when the storm comes, right? But then the other thing about storms, I wish this weren't so, is that they're revealing. Storms tell on us. They tell on what's going on on the inside to us, to the Lord, and to, to the world around us, right? Right? So, so storms are a part of the enemy means for evil. God will always mean for the building and growing of our lives. No weapon formed against us will prosper is, is his encouragement and his promise to us. All right, number five here talking about this parable. So it, uh, the foundation that the house was built on represents what we do with the word of God in our lives. What we do with the word of God in our lives, right? Because that's what I said earlier, I, I had missed that for so long. Heard the word, heard the word, building, building, one on the sand, one on the rock, storm hits both, one house has a great crash, the other one stands despite the winds and the floods and, and the beating of the storm. And it all relates back to what do we do with the word of God? That's why I say this is a parable that we don't, you know, kind of get the principle down and just go about our merry way. I think this is one of those parables that as we continue to live on purpose, to thrive and grow and step, step forward in all that God has called us to be, that we want to constantly go back to, am I still living on the foundation? Am I still building my foundation on the rock? What do I do with the word of God? Because the scripture is filled with, with, with uh, exhortations and corrections and different things. You know, things like this, like, hey, you started off running a good race. Who moved in on you and got you off track? Right? 
he who endures until the end will be saved. Right? There's this picture of us keep on keeping on in him. And we get this picture, Jesus is talking about how do we enter the kingdom? How do we uh, be people of the kingdom? And he's saying, well, this life that you build, if you want it built to be stormproof, it's got to be built on the rock of what you do with the word of God. Amen. Amen. So here's the thing about the foundation of sand. Uh, you, you know, he heard the word, but he didn't do anything with it. He heard the word, but it didn't result in action for his life. You, you know, it was interesting. I, was, I found myself uh, following this stream of videos on, on this guy that was finding and collecting fossils. You know, and so he had his little little chisel and his little geologist hammer and he'd crack open some shale and, and then you'd see these cool fossils and then you know he picked up this what looked like a you know just this big massive almost brick kind of a stone and then just one shot and it all crumbled it wasn't actually stone it was just compressed together sand and it fell right apart sand can be packed together quite nicely so it looks like a real foundation but the other foundation, the one that Jesus said to build on, is rock. And uh, he equates the building on the rock as the one who hears and practices. And, and I, I would say here we need to understand and continues to practice what he hears. That's the one who builds on the rock. Now, now let, let's just make sure we understand here John 5, 39 and 40. Jesus is talking here, and he says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. Uh, these are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So he's speaking to people. He's saying, you got all this word in you, and you're missing what it's all pointing to. Jesus says, it's pointing to me. And, and, and that they were missing it, right? He's saying, come, come find the kingdom, find the way into the kingdom. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. That's what we're talking about today, building with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. So, Jesus is the rock that we build our lives on, right? He's the chief cornerstone, right? But in this context, so this is the context, he is the rock. But as we stay on that rock, as we continue to see our lives, our heart constructed as we go through life, uh, it's building on not just hearing his word, but doing his word hearing his word and practicing his word. And this could both be obedience to his commands as well as that word he whispers to our heart and says, here's what I've called you to. Right, Pastor James's message in the Courage series, answering the call, this is my calling for you. All right, Lord, I'm going to practice that word you gave me. I'm not gonna neglect that word you gave me. I'm going to press forward doing what I know to do as you lead me and as you guide me. Can you say amen? amen. All right. So, you, you know, where he talks about being a wise builder here, you know, this reference to wisdom and, and Jesus, his reference to the wise builder, both Paul and Jesus here, it's not talking about an intellectual wisdom. 
right? It's not talking about, uh, you, you know, wisdom of the mind and intellect. It's talking about a moral, ethical, and spiritual wisdom. You know, like when we go back and look at Proverbs, the reverence of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom, right? Amen. All right, so, so you know, I, I, I've tried to practice this principle as a pastor for years. You know, whenever you're teaching the Word and you're sharing the Word, you know, uh, the goal is to give people wings and to give people handles. Amen. I can see that landed. <laughs> wings so that you can soar higher in the Lord and handles to grab onto so that you can work out and practice the Word of God and work it out into your life. Amen? So let me, let me give a couple of things that I think will help us with this. So what, what does it look like to be a practicer, a doer of the Word of God? Um, these are two keys to being a doer, and they overlap each other a bit, but I just want to separate out. I, I, I want to make the point that there's, there's two sides to this. So the first key is attitude. There's an attitudinal key to being a doer of the Word of God. And, and in, in that attitude, uh, we need faith. And 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, now we live by faith, not by sight. Right? Another translation says, we walk by faith, not by sight. You know, so, so the Lord is calling us to build our lives in a way where we believe Him that he's got the final say, that his interpretation is the best one, that his construction of our worldview beats out anything that our world is trying to say what our, our view should look like. So it's an attitude of faith, but then it's also an attitude of obedience, an attitude of obedience. And that was Abraham. You know, several times we see in the life of Abraham, he believed God and then, you know, he, he obeyed God. He believed and he obeyed. He believed and he obeyed. Uh, Luke six forty six, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Wow, can't get much plainer than that, Jesus, huh? Thank you, Lord. In John fifteen fourteen, you are my friends if you do what I command. All right, so, so there's an attitude side of being a doer. Lord, with faith and obedience, yeah, Lord, I'm, I'm ready. You, you know, uh, th then number two, there's an action side. There's an action side. I remember hearing the story of a, of a small congregation. You know, they're just sitting around and their service just turned into a prayer meeting. And just for, for about 30 minutes, they're going, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, all around the, the congregation. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, for about, about 30 minutes. And then finally, you know, kind of hushed down. And, and, and the preacher got up after that and said, okay, Lord, you've heard our yes. Now tell us what it is you want to do. See, that's an attitude of being a doer of the word. Lord, whatever you say, speak, your servant is listening. So now when it comes to action, the follow through, here's a couple of thoughts for us. First of all, saturate your life in prayer and in the word. And uh, Karen's going to be having a series coming up uh, end of this month into April uh, on the armor of God. Uh, really, really important series for us to understand. God gives us this picture of armor for us to wear uh, as believers to live in victory, to live in his victory. But talking about saturating our lives in prayer and in the word. Notice, so this is Ephesians 6, this whole picture on the armor of God. And in verse 17, it says, take up the helmet of salvation. And then notice it says, take the sword of the spirit, 
which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So the, the position for victory is the word of God and always praying, right? When we say always praying, you know, not absentmindedly, you, you know, like go in a room for 20 hours, unless the Lord calls you to do that, you know, but it's a prayerful, uh, prayerful attitude as we go through. Our lives saturated in prayer and in the word will lead us into action. Why do, why do we do all of that? Well, it's the next point here, apply and act on the word of God. So we have an attitude of faith and obedience, and then we have an attitude of action that as we saturate our lives in prayer and in the word, we then apply and act on the word of God. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. And see, the, the, the tricky thing about deception is we don't know when we're in deception. Amen? You know, and so, so we're cautioned here don't, you know, this ties us right back to the parable of, of Jesus on the, on the wise and foolish builder. So don't just listen and walk away because deception is at the door if we don't follow through and say, I must be a doer of the word of God. I must practice. I must work it out. You know, and so this picture of saturate your life in prayer and in the word, you know, um, Joshua 1.8 tells us, be careful, you know, to, to meditate on, on the book of the law, let it not depart from our mouth, meditate on it day and night, so that we can be careful to do all that it says to do. And then our way will be made prosperous, and we'll have good success. And it's basically saying God wants to bless our path, but the blessing unfolds not as we just hear, but as we do. How many would agree with me it's a whole lot easier to just hear than to do, right? Now, I, I want to wrap us up with this. This is just a simple method of, of looking at the Word of God so that we see it through the lens of I'm a doer, not a hearer only. Amen? I, I, th this is uh, something I discovered back in my youth pastor days, and um, it's something I use in my life to this day. I haven't been able to improve upon it when we talk about living the Word of God here. So I just want to share it with you. Uh, some, this might be, oh yeah, maybe I think I've heard you talk about that before. Maybe for others, you know, you put it down for the first time, but it's just simply remembering the word wild. Everybody say wild. wild. And it just simply stands for word idea, life, and do. And so it's just an approach to the Word of God, uh, just, you know, starting off simply, okay, Word. Okay, so I read a portion of Scripture, and before I try to interpret it, I just, just, okay, do I understand just what the Word said in its context? Idea then gets into, okay, what's it trying to say to me? You know, see, without using the wild method, I didn't catch the first bunch of times I heard this, oh, both these guys heard the word of God. Jesus is trying to talk about hearing and doing. You, you know, so idea then gets into what does it mean? What is it trying to say? L is for life. That means how does this apply to my life? And then D is just do. Now what do I need to do now that I've heard this? 
How many, how many remember this in youth ministry days? Anybody? Back in the youth ministry days, somewhere around? Yep, okay, all right. Word, idea, life, and do. Let me take a for instance from the book of Psalms. Let's just look at Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the com company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Now we could go on, this is a good psalm, because it goes on to say, not so the wicked. And it goes on to say, so if we were to take, you know, word, okay, what does this actually say? We would, we would go back through here, all right, so this is letting us know that there's blessing for somebody who doesn't, you know, walk in step with the wicked person. Uh, all right, he's talking about sinners here, being, being in, in the way, in the company of sinners, or being in the company of those who mock. But, okay, on the other side of that, this person delights in God's law. And in fact, back to what we said earlier, wow, he meditates on his law day and night. So, so now, now I, w I could stop there and say, okay, that's the word. I got, I got an understanding of the idea. How does this apply to my life? See, now, now buckle up because now we're taking God's word and now it's about to bear massive fruit in our lives. Amen? Because now I'm looking and saying, all right, so, hey, what does it mean to stand in the way that sinners take? Have I been, have I been taking the way that sinners? Have I been walking like a sinner? It goes on to say, uh, have, I, have I been in the company of mockers? You know, have I allowed myself to get into, you know, those conversations where, where someone or something is, is being mocked, you know, uh, goes, you, you know, and just, just work it through that way. Uh, you know, the way of sinners, the step with the, with, with the wicked, or the company of mockers. And now I start taking some reflection with the Lord. Like it says in, in, in the New Testament, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. I mean, no, that's not a one-time examination in my life, Right? I have to go back and, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, come to think of it, man, I've been kind of getting a little too chummy in this particular, uh, I don't want to point anybody, <laughs> Pastor Jim, what are you waving at? I'll just say over here, Th this particular uh, group here, and yeah, it's actually having a negative effect on me. Oh yeah, scripture says bad company corrupts good character. All right, I got some decisions to make here. What do I have to do now? You know, or wow, Lord, I need to pray that I get some godly folks up close in my life. Church, I can remember as a new believer, uh, just as I, I shared my faith with my, my circle of friendship at the time, uh, I got the left foot of fellowship, we'll put it that way. And I found myself looking for some friends, you know, and saying, Lord, would you please send some people around me? And man, it's so important, you, you know, the, the folks that we have around us. But how many know it's not just people? Now I can get to meddling in a little bit more. The shows we watch, the music that we listen to. How many know there's ideas and philosophies and worldview that is behind the shows, the movies, the media, the, the music that we listen to? So to ask ourselves, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I heard over the years, but I just like the music or I just like the beat or whatever else. Ah, oh, but man, if I'm honest, I'm, uh, I'm here, I'm, I'm standing in the, the way of sinners. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm aligning with the wicked. Ah, Lord, you've just made it so clear. Look, wisdom was just shed in my life because I 
just simply looked at the word of God to mine it for gold and to pull out what it says and then to practice what it says. Come on, can you say amen? I'm looking around the room and I know there's a lot of us that have been in the Lord for years and I, I, I just, I know that we, how many agree with me, you just never get away from this, right? Never get away from, you know, look at, look at King Solomon who was the wisest guy in the world. He didn't, the wisest guy who was alive on the planet at the time. And he backslides. Why? Because God's wisdom wasn't enough? No, because he stopped practicing the word that God gave him to do. Wow. Wow. Can you say amen, church? Amen. So, hey, as we move forward, as we grow into God's best for our lives, as, as we even go through this series on the parables, as we continue to be people of God's word, we will live in this way of constantly saying, all right, so how am I doing here, Lord? What did your word say? What's the idea behind it? How does it apply to my life? What do I now have to do? If, if that's part of our, our lens that we approach the word of God, uh, then we will never, <laughs> church, we'll never be what we just prayed about at the beginning of this message. We'll never be barren, fruitless believers because we'll be abiding in the vine, built on the rock, the rock of Jesus, and then building our lives, our houses on that rock of being doers of his word. Can you say amen? Amen. Hey, why don't you stand with me as we close? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, Father, we love you so much, and we just want to thank you one more time for your, your sweet presence as we've gathered here today, as we've worshiped. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. And Lord, all around this room, watching online, maybe listening at a later time, we just bring our lives before you. And Lord, we say that, yes, we want to be the wise builder. We don't want to be building on sand. We want to be building on the rock. No other foundation but you, Jesus. And the way to you, the way with you, and the way through you to heaven is to hear and to do. And so God, I just pray that you would help every one of us right now where we're at. I thank you, God, you don't condemn. I thank you, you convict. So Lord, convict us wherever we've gotten slothful uh, in being doers of your word. Father, convict us. Holy Spirit, show us where we have justified why we don't have to do what it is that you're nudging us, what you've called us to do in your word. Forgive us, God. We repent of those things. And Lord, the things that we're not aware of, deliver us from any deception. Lord, we want to be just pure, simple, true followers after you. We want to be like that precious church uh, family that was praying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, that's my attitude. Now you just tell me what to do, and by your grace, I'll walk it out. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for cleansing. Uh, thanks for deliverance now in the name of Jesus for everything and anything 
that would work as deception in the lives of your people. And may there be a fresh hunger in our hearts to pursue your word. Lord, may we be those who pursue your word looking for how do we apply it and how do we live it. So, Lord, let it be that out of what we talked about here today, there would be lasting fruit, that there would be multiplied fruit in our lives. Grow us, deepen us, mature us, Lord, so that we can be all that you need us to be, all you desire us to be, and so the world can see more and more of you in us, God. So all of this we commit into your hands. Lord, we say thank you. In Jesus' name, we are the wise builder, building on the rock. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you, Lord.